Welcome to Medically Speaking Radio. I'm Dr. Mark Vaughn. And I'm Larry Finney. I'm a doctor. And I'm not. Let's get started. All right. And here we are. Yes, June 7th. June 7th, and we're back together again. What's that? To regale our audience with all of our adventures since we last spoke. Oh, yeah, there have been, I, I've, I've gone through a few adventures. Yeah, yeah, this is kind of uh, your experience time. Yeah, medically speaking adventures. Um, yeah, so I uh, underwent an elective surgery here in this uh, age of COVID. What were we voting for? What's that? You said it was elective, so I was wondering what we were voting for. Um, I was voting for a repair of a left inguinal hernia. Left, okay. Yeah. Um, actually, this thing presented like last mm, August or so. But, uh, you know, I have other comorbidities, and so I was putting it off. But I, uh, I decided I couldn't put it off any longer. It was getting kind of, it wasn't painful, but it, it's, it's a creepy kind of a feeling. So, um, as the medical doctor, should I say what that is? Go ahead. So, inguinal refers to the area of the groin, and the hernia is actually uh, a protrusion of the intestines out of the abdominal cavity where they normally sit, and trying to find its way down through a, uh, a tract where it can actually end up inside of the scrotum. Yeah. Well, now, mine was bulging in the right about the pubic line. So it wasn't bulging into the scrotum, but uh, it was on its way. I, yeah, I guess so. So um, I, I was, uh, I was referred to a general surgeon, uh, a fellow who had just moved to town here, um, whom, whom I like very much, by the way. And um, he, uh, he said that during the process, he says, I, you know, you're going to have to be um, anesthetized, to the point of being intubated. And I said, really? That's not a local kind of, because even though it was a, a arthroscopic, or not arthroscopic, uh, laparoscopic, uh, meaning they're going to put three tiny little incisions, like right around the navel. And I guess one is for the camera and one is, you know, lights and whatever. But he said, um, the microphone. The you, yeah. The reason we want you completely knocked out is that we blow air into the site so that we can, you know, see what's going on. He says, but we'll be inflating your scrotum. And he says, if you were semi-conscious or whatever, you will want to fight me. So we need to knock you completely out and paralyze you. And, and, and we'll be breathing for you artificially. So just so you know that, you know, you'll be intubated and, and whatnot. But to, to back up a bit, before they admit me to the hospital, I had to do the uh, the COVID test. Oh, yeah. Yeah, where they run the, the, the probe up your nose and back down in your throat. I had to do it twice because I had to, uh, I had to postpone the, 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 the first scheduled surgery. Uh, <clears throat> the first time I did it, they ran the probes up both nostrils. And now I that is thorough. Well, yeah, and, and I thought that was standard procedure. Well, the second time I went through, I'm expecting this. The guy runs it up one side, and he says, okay, we're done. I said, wait a minute, don't you do the other side? And he goes, who does that? I go, well, <laughs> it was here last week. And he looks at me like, are you serious? 
And I go, okay, well, I'm out of here before you change your mind. But, not really? Because I, you know, I don't want to do that again. But anyway, there, there, yeah, there's, there is that misconception that you're supposed to do both sides. And, and I've, I've actually seen it in comments either on the podcast or on our YouTube channel. Yeah. And uh, it, it's actually the same throat. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, it's just it's just like a centimeter to one side from where you'd be yeah. on the other one. So it's the so same yeah, you, 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 you know, one side should one side should fit all. But um, so I'm I'm negative on the COVID. So the um, actually through the the operative process, it feels like the the pre-op stuff. I, I likened it to the Super Bowl, where the pre-game show is actually longer than the game. You know, it's uh, all the paperwork they got to do, all the questionnaires you got to fill out or, or, or talk to. And here's a weird thing. I, I wasn't expecting this. I, I take my clothes off and they hand me three packets of what like look like giant baby wipes. And he says, there's two, there's two wipes in each package. And then he hands me a chart of my body zone. So like zone one is my front of my torso from my neck to my waistline and two is the arms and three is the legs or whatever it is. The only one I couldn't reach was my back. And so they give you assistance, but they want you to wipe yourself down your entire body with these giant baby wipes, you know, they're uh, antibacterial. And I guess they continue to have antibacterial properties for a while, but here's the pro tip on this one. <laughs> I, I opened up the first pack, no problem, because they, they've cut a little notch in the, it's, it's that, it's that uh, packaging is almost like, uh, well, it's like what baby wipes come in, kind of aluminum-ish, hard plastic. Well, I went ahead and did the thing with the first zone and using the baby wipes. Then I went to open the package. My hands are now wet with the stuff. Oh. It's impossible to open the dadgum package. So if you ever find yourself in that situation, open up all three of them before you get your hands wet. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I'm doing my own pre-surgical prep and then, uh, then I get into that uh, glorious uh, paper gown that fits from the front and you can't find the places to tie it. And, you know, you need, you need help to tie that thing off anyway, get into the, uh, the pre-op gurney and uh, it's more paperwork, right? I'm not actually filling it out, but I'm answering verbally, orally uh, the questions that they're asking and they're recording it. And uh, some, some odd questions, you know, like, uh, oh, like, you know, do you experience abuse at home or, um, and, and some that are logical, like, um, you have somebody to pick you up and then a responsible adult to watch you for the next 24 hours after surgery. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Got that. And, uh, they wheel you in and make you transfer from one bed to another. And I was joking with them. They, of course they've already got the, uh, IV access established and, and they're giving me an antibiotic through that and some normal saline. I was joking with him. I said, okay, I, I assume, I said, I have some screening questions of my own. You've all done this before, right? And they go, mom says, oh yeah, we've, we've watched several YouTube videos. <laughs> that is literally the last thing I remember. Oh, <laughs> I mean, they turned my lights out so quick. And then the next thing I know, I'm in the 
in the post-op area. And I'm waking up and there's a nurse there talking to me and I'm, I'm remarkably lucid. So this makes me wonder, do they, I have to ask you this, do they give you something to bring you out of the anesthetic or did no. it just wear off? Chances are you got to benefit from uh, Michael Jackson drug. Okay. The, the propofol. Yeah, that's the name. Yeah. I wasn't able to come up with it and you were. That's great. Well, here's the thing. I, I've, I've had conscious sedation uh, type of procedures before. And when I got home, I was very sleepy and remained sleepy. But on this one, when I got home, I was alert. In fact, had slight difficulty sleeping that night because my mind was so alert. So it made me wonder if they hadn't given me something to bring me back out. So I went online. I, I Did I mention I have a, a medical degree from Google University? Excellent. Yeah. So I got online and went to a, a, a the site of a, a prestigious medical school. And there were articles about bringing people out of uh, sedation or anesthesia. And they use Ritalin. Mm. Not, not <laughs> that, that may have been used somewhere, but uh, that's not a practice around here. Okay. Now, actually, it is possible they give you a reversal agent. Yes. Um, yeah, whatever. It, it is possible they give you. Um... Yeah. <laughs> I can't walk in on the name. I used to refer to it as reverse said because Versed was the name of. Oh. Uh, of and, and that is one that will, they administer it to wake you up from an elective procedure. So it is possible you were given that. Some, the reason I was saying with profiles because it's known for uh, being given as uh, as a, a drip or an infusion and you just stop it when you don't need it yeah. anymore. Yeah. But but whatever, I, 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 I kind of suspect they were giving me, they had given me a reversal agent because I was, I was pretty alert. Uh, yeah. The rest of the Actually, day, flumazenol, going the night, yeah, and methamphetamine or something—I don't know—but um, you know, I was I was quite alert. But yeah, um, yeah, th- yeah. I I don't know about the methamphetamine. That, yeah, that that would not be a normal thing at all in the in the United States, at least not now, anyway. Now, the 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 the, the other odd thing they told me, one of the nurses in, in the in the uh, post op. He said, you may experience pain in your shoulders. And I'm thinking, you know, why did they use me as a trampoline while I was out? Or, you know, and I said, why would I experience pain in my shoulders? He says, when they blow air into you, sometimes if it gets into your abdomen or, you know, it can, I guess it can migrate up. And for some reason it presents as pain in the shoulders. And I, he says, so if that happens, don't freak out. They go, okay. Well, it didn't happen, so. But yeah, looking at the looking at the post-surgical site, I'm kind of amazed at them out of bruising in places I never thought I would be bruised in. You know, it's one of those I'm loath to look because it freaks me out. But oh yeah, all the blood dripping through the yeah. uh, going through the tissue layers uh-huh. on their way down the leg. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's it's and it, frankly, it's really not all that bad. And my pain, although they prescribed me some uh, an opioid. Initially, I took it just to get out ahead of what I anticipated would be some major discomfort. But after 12 hours, I, I just let it that wear off, and I've been able to control any pain through just plain old Tylenol. And uh, I'm still moving 
slowly, you know, walking around, but um, I'm not in any kind of constant pain or anything. So I, I would have to say it probably went pretty well, but I, though I'm still kind of swollen in my nether regions, <laughs> which, yeah. which makes me move slowly. You know, it's, it's kind of hard yeah, to walk yeah. when you're, yeah. You have to stand on your head to drain it. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, I do find myself sitting down a lot or lying in a recliner, but, uh, and, and I'm loath to use my abdominals just yet. Uh, oh yeah. But, but the discomfort there just feels like, I don't know if you've ever, if you've ever done, um, too many sit-ups for your shape and then, and then you, right. yeah, he's got that, that achy feeling, but it's not like, I wouldn't call it pain. It's just, you know, mild discomfort. And are you even taking Tylenol at this point? Um, yeah, I am just, uh, kind of like it's 500 milligrams every six hours. Oh, but I'm, yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm even tapering that off now and it's only 48 hours now since the surgery. So, and he told me, wow. the surgeon told me that after, certainly after two weeks, I'll be fine. You know, I mean, I'll be, I'll be fully recovered oh, yeah. and I can do whatever I want to do. So I guess they, they implant some kind of mesh uh, at the surgical site. And, you know, that I wasn't clear as to whether that mesh eventually dissolves or if it's actually part of uh, a permanent part of my structure now. Permanent. Oh, it is? Okay. Yeah. And. Yeah, it's, it's a, a patch there to keep that from coming back out. Okay. Okay. So, so there's that. But, uh, you know, that used to be a, I guess that used to be a kind of a big deal surgery. Um, but with the ability to do it laparoscopically, it's, it's an outpatient procedure. I was in, I checked in at 10 o'clock and I was out of the place by a little after two o'clock. It's a great age that we live. It is. You know, in fact, I was, I was talking to my uh, spouse about this. We're both contemplating various or or i have had various invasive surgeries and whatnot and other other issues but you know and we're saying we hate the year 2020 so far but on the other hand would you have wanted to go through this 15 or 20 years ago no i mean you know the the state of medicine even in in a in 20 years has has exponentially grown you know the ability to do what they do and and uh you know make these kind of things like outpatient procedures you know and frankly some of that is uh i suspect uh you know it helps revenue right it's like restaurants turn over those tables right get them in here feed them get them out and get the next customer right absolutely you know it's it's a it has become something of a volume business but uh yeah, but I was yeah. I was that's kind of what happens there. I was struck by the fact in our little community hospital here that when I'm in the pre-op area, there were a lot of beds there available, but it was just me and one other person. So it's it it's pretty quiet. Yeah, they're still trying to catch yeah. up. Yeah, the, even though we've opened up after uh, shutting down everything for COVID nineteen, it, it's it's slow to get going back up to the volume we were before. And uh, I don't know what it is, what it's like for um, outpatient surgery, but everything else, you have to keep people apart and have limited 
contact between people and distance between people. So that may be part of why things are running a little slow compared to the old yeah, days. I mean, everybody's wearing a mask all the time, including the patient, you know, it's, um, the whole, yeah. yeah. I mean, from the time you check in, they scan your head with the no touch thermometer, they issue you a mask right away. And, you know, next thing you know, you're scrubbing yourself down with antibacterial baby wipes. So it's, uh, Oh, and the other thing, I woke up with uh, kind of like a spray tan <laughs> on my torso oh, because yeah. I think they put another uh, antibacterial agent on me. It's kind of, and it dries kind of a nice light orange, kind of a, a kind of a Donald Trump color, you know. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> so apparently they didn't trust you completely. I guess not. You know, you, you, yeah. I'm thinking. So it makes you wonder: is, is it going to go away? Um. I, I have yet to take my first shower post-op. Because Donald Trump still has that color. I know. I know. So I'm hoping to hoping it scrubs off, but we'll see. You know, it's, it's kind of a weird look, it, especially since it's not uniform. Right. It's just like a, you know, a stripe around my middle. <laughs> yeah, the one, the one thing I wanted to make sure they did not have in the OR was uh, like Sharpies or magic markers because... I don't know if any of us who have ever, let's say, fallen asleep or become unconscious at, like, say, a frat party or something, <laughs> you know, I was afraid they would draw a map of the world on my skull. And uh, I, I didn't want anything, you know, or, or eyebrows on me or something. I didn't want there, that or the no exit uh, yes, arrow. There's a uh, or, no I'm sorry, exit yes, only. I have a, I have a uh, Sharpie mark on my left leg, though, because. You know, this overcaution where the surgeon comes in and he says, okay, surgical side is which side, you know, left. Yep. Okay. You're agreeing it's the left. And he goes over to my left leg and actually writes a, puts a mark on my leg to, you know, we don't want to do the wrong side or whatever. However, what they did say was that once they get in and are looking around, if they find any other areas that have presented as hernias, they'll fix those while they're there. Yeah. You don't want to have to go through the whole oh, no. thing again. I mean, it's kind of like the mechanic, you know, as long as we got the heads torn off the engine, we're changing the timing chain, you know, might as well do the ring job and some other things while we're in here. It'll be cheaper and, you know, head off trouble. while yeah. we can. Did you check to see if you still have your tonsils? Um, actually I do. I'm a, I'm a rare baby boomer who has his tonsils and his wisdom teeth. Oh man, you're like spare parts. Well, we should take you when we have the uh, apocalypse. Every dental assistant has ever looked down my throat, calls the doctor in and said, Hey, check this out. Have you ever seen this? Four wisdom teeth and tonsils, you know? Yeah. I just don't know how yeah, you I don't do know, it. man. It's, uh, it's weird. So as a, you know, as a family practitioner, do you ever in your um, work life, get opportunity to go into a operating theater and you know, whether to observe or to assist or anything like that, or are you pretty much out of that realm of things? I have only assisted with one operation and Oh, how long ago was it? It was with uh, Dr. Bergeson here in town, the orthopedic uh -huh. surgeon, and it was a foot uh, a broken bone and I assisted uh, didn't get paid for it. <laughs> I was just doing it. Uh, it. It was actually a family member that uh, I assisted on, but that's the only time. Uh, that was 
I don't know how many years ago that wow. was. What what was your role? I mean, what did Probably. you what did you do during the assist? Oh, it, it's it's nothing more than here. Hold this retractor. Oh, okay. <laughs> A glorified medical student is all. I oh, okay. Yeah. So yeah, I was. Uh, I didn't see my surgeon post op, but what the nurse told me was, well, that's good news. You know, if he's if he's not here feeling the need to to talk to you about anything, everything went well. You know. So I do have a, I Good. do have a follow up appointment with him in a few days just to, you know, to check the surgical site and find out how I'm doing and stuff. But, you know, right about now, um, I I feel pretty darn good about it. And, uh, you know, other than the than the residual minor and I will call it minor discomfort. Oh, and as you can probably tell, I'm a little hoarse, and I think that might be from the intubation. I think yeah. so. But but. You know, all in all, if, if any of our listeners are, are thinking about or uh, having to go through this particular procedure or even undergo uh, general anesthesia, you know, have no fear. It's uh, as with most things, the uh, our imaginations are far worse than the uh, actual event. I'd say that was true for my colonoscopy. Yeah. Oh, oh did you uh, do one of those recently? Oh, you haven't watched the video? No. No, don't. Oh, I should give you the link to the full oh video. You'd appreciate the full, oh the uncut. Are you telling me you made like family home movies of your own colonoscopy? No, 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 not family. This is for the YouTube no, channel. No, that's what I mean. I mean, it's like, you know, yeah. so we're actually seeing yeah, this, this, your colonoscopy. This, this, oh, yeah. Yeah. Like I said, the, the uncut version is for the, uh, I, I gave it to my Patreon supporters and, and the channel members, and, and they wow, love it. I accidentally put it on for everybody. So anybody who was a subscriber got an announcement for it and was able to watch it. Uh, so if, I don't know. I guess if anybody's still holding on to that link, they can still watch it. So I, I got like 500 views yeah. <laughs> of it. And of course, it, it wasn't my my core audience. And so it was people who didn't appreciate some of my humor related to the digestive system. Oh, God. Or yeah. <laughs> or or actual documentation of what was going oh, on geez. So, so i i i cut a new edit of it and put it out and made that for the general watching or the general viewership and, and kept the uh the extended cut just for those who really appreciate uh, my humor yeah so you know not to get too dark uh, for our audience but you know maybe we could do one of these uh, shows while I'm uh, sitting in the chemotherapy chair one day. Oh, I'd love to do that, except they will not allow me. Uh, this particular institution and system will not allow me to record anything uh, on their property. Uh, on, oh, oh, well, I mean, we could still do it by phone like we're doing now. They would never know. We do it remotely. <laughs> well, we, we do know that Dr. Walker just went ahead and did it when she did yeah, our show. Yeah. Yeah, that was, that so was we a good do show. That. I enjoyed that one. Yeah. Yeah, just be sure not to say the name of the institution. Right, 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 right. Um, well, so yeah. any other uh, further questions for me regarding, um, you know, surgical procedure or as, as the consumer thereof? I do have a question about your experience because you talked about your nasopharyngeal yeah. swab test yeah. quite a bit. Which was worse, the nasopharyngeal swab experience or the colonoscopy? I mean, the uh, 
oh, the, the nasal pharyngeal because that's part of the screening process. They're not going to let you into that ho- that hospital if you're COVID positive, or at least they're not going to do a you know a surgery on you. They're going to make sure you're over your COVID business before before they're going to pop you in there. Especially if you don't need to be quote hospitalized for the COVID. I imagine that's what they're doing. But yep. yeah. Did you want a little COVID-19 update or you, uh, you got it? Oh, that? no, go ahead. I mean, you know, it, 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 it's okay. for, for, it, it well, seems to be changing all the time. <laughs> about everything I have would be on Dr. Vaughn's uh, COVID-19 updates, that podcast. But one of my favorite highlights from this week's was the study in the Netherlands that found, they, I think they looked at oh, 30 or 50 families in the Netherlands uh, over a period of time during the pandemic and found that children were not the ones giving the infection to the parents. Yeah. It was the other way around, which is different from a lot of other so viral the kid illnesses. Is not the vec- and in- yeah, that's exactly what they found. They found that children are not spreading it. They get it, but they're well, really not spreading it. No, I actually, and- I listened to that episode and yeah, yeah. Oh, you heard and, that one. And this sort of suggests to us that maybe closing schools, at least for that age group, is not necessarily the best thing ever. You know, maybe it's, it's time to, well, we're moving into summer now, but um, open up the schools. Yeah. Open up the schools. Uh, ba- based on that information, we don't have much other information. If there's other information that pointed in a different direction, we could revisit it. But given that that's all the information we have, it looks like there's a very, very strong reason to open schools and minimal uh, reason to not given what we well, see on that, that study. Combine that with the fact that most parents are not very good homeschoolers. Um, you know, <laughs> we're, we're going backwards. Our kids are going to grow up dumb. You know, the, uh, did you happen to hear any of the governor's uh, talks? He does them at over the noon hour. Um, sometimes maybe he just does no, one a week. I'm not sure, but he was, he was talking about the documentation of what's going on, how the, uh, the people who have the resources are getting tutors or, or have the, the free time are doing it themselves with their children. And so communities that are a little more hard pressed because say both parents have to work or they can't afford to have tutors, their kids are falling more behind. And those are the kids who are falling behind anyway and who are in the school districts that don't get as well funded. So we're getting more disparity in education uh, through this process yeah, than we had before. The COVID thing is, is creating more of that, not just in education, but economically and in, in every other realm you could possibly yeah. think of. So. I am going to be so glad when it's over. And I, yeah, and I would be remiss not to say that we, we see that there's racial disparity in who's more affected, both getting it and suffering from the disease, but also from the uh, shutdown. Yeah, too. and I'm not sure why, because I wouldn't think that a virus would really. The virus is truly colorblind, so it kind of puzzles me. I'd like to know the underlying reasons why, let's say, one ethnic group would be harder hit than another. Uh, I believe from what I've seen, it all points to the difference in economic status resulting in a difference in ability to get health care and take care of yourself. And so there's a higher incidence of untreated diabetes, hypertension and heart disease and worse diets because of what they call food deserts, where you don't have fresh fruits and vegetables easily accessible if you don't have a car to go 
right. drive out to you a farmer's market. You got McDonald's, but you don't have a farmer's market, right? Uh, yep. Yep. God. Speaking of which, you know, I'm I'm actually craving uh, an, a double double from In and Out. <laughs> I may just have to go do that. You're gonna. Yeah. You're gonna do yeah, that. Yeah. I've I've not been indulging myself in that realm, but you know, every once in a while, it's probably okay. We we enjoyed a socially distanced breakfast oh, really? at Edelweiss this morning. It was a wonderful experience. We walked there. I had my mask on, except for when I was eating. They, you know, seated people separately and had you in your own part of the restaurant. Oh, it was excellent. a lovely experience. I'm glad to hear it. Well, it looks like yeah. the clock on the clubhouse wall says it's time to go, Musketeers. Okay. It's going to slice. But this is where we remind everybody to uh, go to the link on the description. Or if they listen to us on anchor.fm, they can leave a message, a voice message for right. next week's show. And let's hope they do that. I, I would love to answer some on-air questions. We should have Karen. Yeah, do I don't that. want to fake them. You know, I don't want to fake questions. Uh, we want some real ones. Come on, people. Yeah. I'm sure oh, Karen yeah. could have a real question, though. Yeah. Well, somebody needs to, by okay. gosh. Somebody needs to. Somebody out there listening needs to leave a voice message. Yep. They know who they are. All right. Raise your hand right now. Right, Do right now. where you're sitting. Point. Put your Raise hand your hand. television. I see that. Yes. I see that hand. All right. Well, we'll see you next week or, or talk to you anyway. All right. Yes. I look forward to it. Yes. Glad you're doing too. well after your operation. <laughs> Bye-bye. Well, that's all we have for this week, folks. Tune in next week when once again you will hear Dr. Mark Bond say, Until next time, stay in good health.